grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who knew those feet would have such tiny toes? The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of the nations. Who would have guessed that holy arm would be the size of a toothpick? God comes as a baby. What is he telling us about himself in this? In a sermon for Christmas Day, Martin Luther once said this, Let us then meditate upon the nativity, just as we see it happening in our own babies. And this got me thinking, which of course is always a dangerous thing, but got me, uh, it gave me an idea. I thought, yeah, what are some of the distinguishing marks of babies? I've had a few, but I thought, I'd be curious what other people say as well. So I went to that source of all things factual and true. I went to Facebook, and um, I asked you, you all on, on Facebook, what are some of the things that stand out to you about what distinguishes babies? And I wanted to share with you just some of the, the comments that I got. Um, Gabe Hyder, our uh, a pianist for many Sundays, she pointed out those tiny little fingers and toes. Lou Connolly, a friend of ours from Spokane, said, babies are soft like bunny fur. They, they had that <laughs> weird fur at first. Uh, Paul and Marie said, warm, innocent, cuddly, and not a care in the world. Eunice Barbera said, helpless, beautiful, often perfect, <laughs> maybe noisy. I think that, that I can confirm that, usually noisy. And then Charity Dahmers said, they smell so good, to which I responded, except for when they don't. There's all these different things about babies. And in today's gospel, John tells us that we ought to look as in this way. He said, no one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Christ Jesus, in his life, in his way of coming among us, has made known the character, the identity of our God. So if we want to know something of, of what God is like, who he is and who he is for us, we do well, like Luther says, to meditate upon the tiny, holy infant, his little baby flesh. So that's what I want to do this morning. Lift up just a few characteristics of infants and think about what the Lord might be telling us about himself through that. All right, so the first thing, other than the smelliness of babies, that that really stands out to me, and several others pointed this out as well, is that babies are so utterly weak and vulnerable. Uh, Tara had said, and Tara knows a thing or two about babies as well. I like this. She said, they demand immediate attention for all their needs. They were warm and comfy in their mother's womb, not hungry. This, I think, is why some of our kids, actually all of our kids, decided they were going to come out late, right? So comfy in there. Why, what's the hurry? But Tara goes on, then reality hits, cold, hungry, uncomfortable. So all they can do is cry to get your attention and tell you what they need. It's often pointed out that in that hymn that we sing, the Christmas carol away in a manger, no crying he makes. Nobody believes that, okay? <laughs> He's fully God, but he is still fully man, fully baby. And I can tell you with some confidence that Jesus comes out of the womb crying. But here is God as a baby, a weak, vulnerable child. 
What is he telling us about himself with that? Well, as I asked the kids last night in the, the children's message, I said, have any of you ever been scared of a baby? Most of them said no. A couple of them said yes. But the reality is, kids, even though it's terrifying to think now we have this small infant, this small human being to take care of, children are not in themselves very scary. It's just the opposite. There's something deep in us that's drawn to them. We see a baby. We hear them crying. This is why it's so hard as a parent. You hear that baby crying, you just you have to go and pick it up. It's like that magnet to you, right? There's nothing that's frightening about that child. Now think about this that God would choose to come this way. It's like he's saying, truce, okay? There's a truce between heaven and earth. You need not fear. He could have come in power, come not in terrors as the king of kings, as we sing in another hymn. He doesn't. He comes in weakness and vulnerability as baby of babies. What a beautiful expression of the Lord's love for us, his patience and his peace. And isn't this what we call him? He is the Prince of Peace. It's embodied in his little tiny body. Or again, that passage that we hear in the season of Advent from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. The warfare is ended. That service is over. Now, as Christ Jesus comes to us as a little babe, we need no, have no question or doubt about what God is up to for us. He comes to us in peace. So that means that you and I can come to him in confidence, not with fear. The angels told the shepherds, this will be a sign unto you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. You can only imagine the shepherds saying, now come again, I was with you there all the way up to the part about the baby and the swaddling clothes and the feeding trough. That's really the sign for us? It's a sign for us. In that weakness of the baby Savior, God is showing to us. He comes in peace. We needn't fear, but come to him in confidence. It's the first thing that stands out to me about babies. They're weak, they're vulnerable. But God's saying to us through that, come to me in all your weakness, and all your vulnerability. You need not fear. Second thing about babies is the expectations that they have of everybody else who's around them, right? And those expectations are kind of twofold, actually. On the one hand, babies expect nothing. They expect nothing from you. Babies don't say, hey, show up for me, perform. I want to see your TPS reports. Let's see how that, that uh, <laughs> we're going to do an evaluation of here, how you've been doing. Babies expect nothing. And on the other hand, they expect Everything. Wah, give me food right now. Love me. Shower me with praise. <laughs> they say with their little babiness. They expect nothing and they expect everything. And once again, I think this is true to who God is and, and what his word tells us about himself. On the one hand, we come to him and with simply open, empty hands, he gives to us everything. He says to you and me, look, there is nothing that you can do to merit my love. There's no performance that you can give to me that is going to earn you my favor. Instead, you simply and solely receive everything from me. He expects nothing from us. You and I are saved not by our works, not by our good deeds, not by our, our lives of love toward others. We are saved simply and solely by his life of love toward us. He expects nothing of us. 
and yet at the same time, and as a direct corollary of that, he expects everything, indeed, our entire lives. There's a, a telling passage from Paul's letter to the Romans that captures both of this. In the uh, Romans chapter 11, the end of the chapter 11, it says, first, who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Everything that we have comes from him. He expects nothing of us. But then notice this. The very next verse says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's interesting, the Greek phrase there translated as spiritual worship, it's logike latreia, logike, from which we get logic or logical. The idea isn't so much a spiritual worship as this is your logical worship. If you and I believe, as we do, that God has done everything for us, that in giving us this infant Savior who would grow to be a man who lays down his life and in his death and in his resurrection has claimed us for himself, if he has done all things for all our salvation, purifying our sins, making us holy in his sight, how then, Paul says, how can we not but give everything to him? It's our, our logical service to offer our lives as, as living sacrifices. I think of that uh, beautiful English carol in the bleak midwinter, which I'm happy to say is not speak true to the last few days here, but perhaps you know these words. If you do, sing along with me. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him, give my heart? That's all we can give him. One more thing about babies. They bring joy. They can't help it. A comment from Laura Pitts, she says, babies are soft, precious, innocent, dependent, accepting, divine, perfect, make me smile, give me hope for the world, cute, helpless, and peaceful, she clarifies. I'm talking newborns here. Okay. <laughs> They're just so amazing there are no words. They bring us joy. And what a delightful thing that the God of the universe would come to us as a baby, that we might know unmistakably that he is here for our joy. Friends, when you start to look for it, you notice this again and again and again in the scriptures. It's like this great open secret well, of course, first there's the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. Behold, we bring you good news of what? Great joy, which shall be for all people. This is a joy that is not meant to be kept up and held up and cooped up. No, this is a joy that is overflowing for all the nations. I'm afraid that as Christians, we're sometimes a little bit too miserly with this joy. It's for all people. 
Again, in Matthew 25, Jesus gives this image of the end of time, the sheep and the goats, and uh, the announcement that the, that the king says, Behold, enter into the what? The joy of your master. And once more, Jesus, on the very night of his death, he says to his disciples, I came that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. Completing that arc from the time of his birth to the time of his death. And indeed, the book of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For your joy, Jesus came from heaven above to earth, to the cross and to the grave and back again, that we might know the fullness of his joy. One more quote from that same sermon of Martin Luther. He says, I would not have you contemplate the deity of Christ, the majesty of Christ, but rather his flesh. Look upon the baby Jesus. You cannot fear him, for nothing is more appealing to man than a babe. <laughs> Who is there whom this sight would not comfort? Now is overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt. If you come to this gurgling babe and believe that he has come not to judge you, but to save. Indeed, this is echoing the very words of our Lord. I did not come into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order to save the world. To save you and me. Don't believe it? Look no further than the helpless, weak, vulnerable, needy, needing nothing, delightful, joyous babe in the manger, this infant holy, Lord of all, for you. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.